Ladies and gentlemen, they say that all great teams must overcome adversity to get the eventual premiership glory that is their want. We are overcoming that diversity this evening. We are recording off various amounts of devices after multiple setbacks. But we won't bore you with that because one thing that will never let you down is, of course, our proud sponsors, the Yorkshire Hotel, the corner of Langridge and Punt Road in Abbotsford. Their TVs will always work. Their taps will always be flying with beer. Their palmers will always be golden crisp on the outside. They'll never let you down. Head there, watch the footy on the weekend. We might even see you there ourselves. Let's get straight into it before something goes wrong, Baz. This is horrible. Can We're recording off a phone. <laughs> our computers have crapped themselves. Internet's wishy-washy. We're both on our phones. We're just in utter chaos right now. It is. Modern technology in my lounge room is just going out of, out of control. I imagine this is like the coach's box where uh, just like the, the stats feed from Jamie Dunn goes down. Yep. And they're like, oh, what is going on? And they just go, oh, we'll just watch the game, I suppose. Yeah, we have to actually, you know. Do something yeah, now. Stop looking at the stats, let's watch the game and make yeah. a move, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, it's, it is what it is, mate, and let's just move on and hopefully, you know, we could produce something again like we did last week. Absolutely. We'll get to that just before I wrap up, but the kitty is back in the black for the whole season and some great numbers to go through later on. Let's get into our coach's corner. Our first team for assessment is, of course, GWS Giants. The one question I have here is, have injuries robbed the Giants of their premiership window? So some fast facts for you. The Giants have already used 31 players this year and their lack of depth has been exposed, obviously, because, you know, 11 of their former draftees are now playing elsewhere, mostly in Carlton. So that will always affect you. According to player ratings, the Giants have nine of the top 100 players in the league, but only one in the next 100. And that still leaves another, you know, 21 players to be accounted for as well. So there's a great massive difference between their elites at the very top and then the rest of them making making it the numbers. Uh, and then some interesting stats is they're fifth for scoring shot creation and for scoring shot concession. So they're getting lots of shots, they're defending quite well. It's just that everything else on top of that. So they're 16th for conversion, so they just can't score once they get the ball inside 50. And they're pretty much the same on shot conversion for the opponents as well. So if you do get to score against them, you get really good looks. I think part of that's because of who they've got and their tactics. So obviously injuries are around there. The issues are that their best four forwards have only played three games together. So Cameron, Patton, Himmelberg and Green have played three together this year. They've won two, drawn one and averaged 90, 96 points. In the other six games, they've averaged less than 70. And another, the other interesting tweak here is how they've done with the defence as well. So they're missing a lot at either end of the park, forward and back. Most teams and the good teams that have really elite midfielders like the Giants roll their midfields forward. It's pretty basic, and they can go and rest there but also impact the scoreboard. The Giants, to fix that, are rolling them through the back. So you've got blokes like Shield, Kelly, Warden, Coniglio, who now have the highest defensive positionings of midfielders in the comp. So they're getting almost half of their ball behind centre, and their rebound 50 to inside 50 ratio is actually in favour of rebound 50s. So they're just not getting the ball in the right spot. So for them, their problems are their best players getting the ball in defence. They've got no one to give it to once the ball does transition. And most of their forwards have to roll through the ruck as well. So we've seen that with Patton, we've seen that with Cameron. So how would you fix this problem if you were Leon Cameron? Well, obviously, so their game plan at the moment is 
they get the ball at the fence and try and transition and run the footy. But that, that doesn't work when you haven't got good users of the footy. So obviously Scully's missing, Toby Green's missing, Kelly's been missing, uh, Kennedy's been out. But obviously they lost Williams and Wilson as well, which were two very, very important players. The bowler's been there, you know, blue-collar sort of worker. He, you know, he's injured, Phil Davis. So it's a massive injury list. And obviously you got Patton playing in the reserves as well. And they've, they've given up a lot. Like they're giving away a few players. They're getting draft picks back. But for me, I think it runs deeper than this. I think they've missed their opportunity. I really do. I think that they're actually going to have to go you know, back to the draft again and probably replenish, if not go after a, heart, a few targets. They really need a ruckman for one. They probably need some backup down back, especially running players. Heath Shaw's not getting any younger. Uh, you know, those sorts of things are probably already in the paper or papers and stuff. They're starting to players like Himmelberg and that have been looked at for other clubs to target. So I thought I went to, I'll go through and do their drafting as well. So two years ago when they made their preliminary final there, they had a lot of their players on the park and they're probably, you know, one injury away from, from making the granny. But since then, we haven't seen that same sort of game style where, you know, they, they were obviously really good use of the footy that year, but they were hard at it as well. They were good at tackling, good at all the defensive stuff. They've kind of gone back to this possession sort of try and use the ball and run. They, they call it the tsunami. I heard, uh, I think it was Juddy talk about it the other night, yep. about the tsunami. And, yeah, he, he, was, he pretty much said the same thing. I'm pretty much taking what he said. He said yeah, they, they don't have the players to play that game style, so he's got to change his style. So and I think they spoke about it on the couch as well and a few other shows on Monday night that they just don't have the right game plan. They're almost playing an Essendon-like game plan from early in the year. But when you go back to 2011, they had, uh, they had four, like 11 picks in the first round. So they're all in the top 14 as well, all 11 of the top 14. So Patton went number one and he's struggling, obviously. Caniglio's a gun. Dom Tyson gone. Will Oscar Elliott gone. Bun- Buntine, like, is he... Hasn't really shown like, not much. Not no. much. Nick Haynes, you know, he's one that they've they've been mentioning as well as leaving. Um, Thomason obviously hasn't really you know hasn't really given much. He's a good player, but you know, not that he's a top ten pick. Toby Green, probably their best player. You could arguably say, been injured a lot. Uh, Adams is gone and Devin Smith's gone. So, you know, they really needed to make that draft work, and they really probably haven't, apart from probably two or three. And again, like, you know, the, the, the next year after that, they've only got one player left on their list from from five first round draft picks. So again, five picks inside top four, fifteen, and Lockie Whitfield's the only one there. So O'Rourke's gone, Plowman's gone, Jax has gone, and there was another one there that was gone. And then again, they had three first round picks in the top fourteen, which Boyd's gone, Kelly's still there, but you know, probably won't be there another year. Cam McCarthy's gone, so. You can see that they've got all this top-end talent, but they keep... So Jared Pickett, Callum Marchbank, again, and Paul Ahern, all of them are gone. So they keep getting replenishment for these picks that they lose, like your um, Trelaw and all those sorts of players. But then they, they end up losing them to other clubs, like Matthew Kennedy as well. First-round pick, they've got academy players in Jacob Hopper, Himmelberg and Flynn. And two years ago... They've got all academy players. So in the last three years, they've recruited really well and they're all still at the club, but they haven't got many games. So from last year already, you've got Sam Reid, Dylan Buckley and Shipley and Langdon, the only four players to play from last year's draft. But they're all the players from the back end of the draft and rookie drafted. They're not the first pick like Boner or, or in their second round as in Daniels and Taylor. So I think they're kind of rebuilding again. They've got to get... I think I said this about two weeks ago. They've got to get games back into those players to... See what they actually got, and if they are any good, and obviously injuries don't help them. On the fact that so many players have left, 
could you hypothesize that's due to your culture? Is it just because there's the money talk aspect of footy now, and they know that if they do their time as a as a youngster in an, in this elite environment, they can go and get some coins off the teams that really need their their certain positions? Yeah. Or is it more of there's just like footy's not working in in Sydney. Why would I stay there? Like, if I want to play footy and get known and get all the trappings that go with being a professional footballer, I need to go to one of the three big states. Well, yeah. WA, Laden. Yeah, Victoria. we do. Well, Melbourne's got the best opportunity, A, if you want to get you know, media after footy. You're going to get exposure here and you'll be able to do media here. You get to play, if you play for a decent club, you get to play in front of 50,000, 60,000 minimum most weeks, which, you know, Prestia's done it, um, Trelaw's done it, Adams did it, Kennedy's another one. Like these players that come back to Melbourne from GWS, they you know got, you know they're highly rated and they probably get paid a bit more than what they can get at GWS because you got you still got like you know probably nine or ten players at GWS that would walk into any other, but they got to get paid accordingly. Mm. So it's hard to keep 20, 25 blokes here who are A graders on minimum chips because they want to go, you know, make their career worthwhile and probably win a flag somewhere. So, but when you say that. It- Surely the easy way to win a flag is to have that, you know, that depth of you have thirty players on three hundred thousand or whatever. Yeah. Like, instead of having, you know, all these players are going out and chasing that kind of like Jake Leather style money of you know a mil or eight hundred plus type what situations. They're worth, yeah. What they're worth. But wouldn't you rather, as a player, win the flag first and then go hunt the cash? You might only be in footy for two or three years. Surely you take what you can get. So you've suggested that that they need to go back through the draft to fix themselves long term. If you're well, you were leading Cameron this year. How do you solve the problem? Because re- reality would suggest that they are still definitely a top eight side. Probably even could push the top four if things go their way. But how do you fix these issues of... Do, like, if the game plan's not working and having to run from run off the halfback and get it forward, how do you change that? How do you change the game style? Or how do you change where the players are playing to try and get yourself the Ws you need to finish in the top to, four? You don't need to overdo it a lot because you see, like, Richmond and... North and Collingwood and there's a few other teams like West Coast like it's all about intensity and tackling and just putting forward pressure on trying to turn over the ball in the front half like they've all got they've still got pretty good ball users and you watch West Coast dismantle uh, Richmond on the weekend they just kept the ball of Richmond and, and used the short kicks in, on the angles to open up and shift their zone that's all you can bring a lot of effort but and that's I don't think GWS have that they're kind of I feel like you know even on the weekend they had, they had they were two or three goals again I saw this on, on one of the on one of the shows they were two or three goals up and Cameron gave away a free kick and a 50 when they had a set shot at goal and I've seen some other footage where blokes just weren't sticking tackles weren't committing the tackles watching blokes run past them so it's a, it's a it's a mental attitude thing for me I think more than a game plan because they've probably still got enough good players that they can just keep the footy and dispose and run and carry but they need to turn it over high up the ground and they need to get Cameron and Patton and that more one-on-one opportunities and they're not doing that. I think their big problem at the moment is the ruck and obviously they're missing a key midfielder in Cali as well who last year was you know probably the, one of the mm. best midfielders in the comp and Coniglio stepped up but they haven't got Cali so and obviously Toby Green is a, is a match winner. But, so you, you, lose, you lose your three best A graders or two or three of your best A graders at any, any club they're going to go to they're going to drop down a rung or two they just probably don't have the depth like an Adelaide does at the moment or, you know, even a... I think I think on the ladder I saw that they're, they're missing the most games in, in any other AFL team mm, through injury. Yeah. So for me, it's just effort, just a slight little change in the game plan. 
and at the end of the season then they need to go find themselves a ruckman yep. and a, probably another speedy half backer unless they've got one on their list they haven't shown us yet and so in terms of predictions for this year and again the betting prospects for the club are you seeing pretty much every GWS game as a 50-50 considering they haven't bought that intensity and do you see them going deepish into the finals or being a more of that bottom bottom of the top eight type? Side? I think if injuries don't get better they're going to finish bottom of the top eight or miss the eight they've got to win this week or second they, they fall right behind if they don't win this week they've got a big game at home and yeah, if they don't win this week, I reckon you almost write them off for not making the eight because it gets a bit too hard. I know we saw Sydney and a few other teams have done it recently and later in the season, but we also see that those teams who have done it, uh, apart unless you're the Western Bulldogs, they haven't gone on to, in history anyway, there's probably been what, one team, the Doggies haven't gone on to make win it from the top outside the top four and make a late run of it. So for me, I think they, look, they're good enough at the end of the year to probably sneak in They'll be a dangerous side, but they're definitely not going to win it, and I'll be lucky to make it. Yeah, I do agree with that, and I think that uh, if they don't make the top four, which is a massive chance now, we could see a bit of pressure around Liam Cameron's spot. For the team that's on the up, a positive spin for the coach's corner is, of course, Brisbane, and they are now coached by the former head of football of Hawthorne, Mr Chris Chris Fagan, and they had a massive win on the weekend, ironically, over Clarkson's Hawthorne. So... Is this a flashpoint moment in the Lions' development or is this just a Carlton 2.0 of, oh, well done, you got a massive win, but then we'll see them drop off to where they actually are at next week? Well, you might see them drop off a bit, but you, I think their game style... Look, they've been pretty unlucky in a lot of games. I think we spoke about last week how close they've been to winning a few games. There's been skill areas that have cost them. They put it all together on, on the weekend and they really made a small, undermanned, inexperienced... Hawthorne side struggle when they went forward. They had some players that just really, like, Hipwood had a great game. He was due. Mm. He was very due. Charlie Cameron. Uh, Cutler was very good. Rayner was good late. And Big McInerney, I think that's how they say it, he actually shows a bit. And he's only, you know, he's only played a few AFL games, but he's starting to clunk them. Big presence. You know, I think he's... They've got some good... They've got a very, very good list, I think. You look down their spine especially and they've got some midfielders thrown in again we've spoken about this all before but I think their game style so they, they look to play on at every opportunity uh, they really use the footy well for a change you know, they've been butchering the footy a bit this year but even some of their blokes like you've never heard of so Bailey I really liked Barry I really liked um, you know, they played some good games they only got 15 odd touches each but they when they got it they used it really well and it was smart Harris Andrews now I believe tonight they've gone on champion data has said that him Rance and I, uh, I might have been, I can't remember who the other defender was, are the top three defenders in the comp at the moment by champion data. And he actually, he is a good player and he, he shows a lot down back. He, Yeah, he's changed his game, how he goes about it a bit. And now he was playing a bit Jones-like in front of the player trying to intercept Mark. He's now sitting back and trying to read the ball a bit better like McGovern does from yep. West Coast. But it's also their senior players. So, like, Beams was all good, really good. Obviously, Cameron, who we've talked about him many times. Zorko's starting to find it. Christensen wasn't too bad. I've never seen Robertson play this sort of footy either. He's actually been really good skill-wise. Yeah, he's yeah. playing pretty well. And obviously, Taylor's starting to show his, what he can actually do. And, yeah, and Witherden obviously won the, uh, I think it was a Rising Star nomination this week. And, yeah, Hodgie did his, did his bit down back and, and Gardner as well. So... I just really think they're they're on the up and 
they're good to watch, and that's what Fagan said. Like, we want to play this style of football where we're attacking, where they kick goals. We, you know, we've got scores against us a bit, but um, we, we want to get crowds back to the Gabba. And you can hear through the TV on the weekend, like the crowd really got behind them. It's good to see. I think most of the time they kicked out the back short. They'd handball it straight to Christian or Rich or someone who's get it long to their one on ones, and they, they exploited Hawthorne's defence really well. And yeah, it's good to watch, and it shows a lot because Sydney are actually there watching them. Mm. on the weekend so for someone like Sydney to actually take note and actually go watch them and study them a bit because they're obviously Sydney are playing them up there again this week they've obviously got some respect from teams going forward so yeah absolutely and I think Fagan's kind of Fagan has a really good approach to that gene development as well and this might be the issue with the Giants and Leon Cameron's change so Cameron's made this change to be really defence first and you hear that with some of the other younger players in the comp, that a lot of coaches at the moment are very defence first. So they, they talk about instructional meetings and tactics meetings that, oh, how can we prevent goals being scored against us? And it's like the players will say, oh, this is, maybe this is, this is the plan we could come up with or the midfielders had a meeting, this is what we want to try and do. And the retort will be, yeah, but what's the dangers of that? I think Fagan's really, really good at, no, no, like if we score 10 goals but we concede six... Well, then we're still four goals up, so who cares? Yeah. There are, I think there are a few cases at the moment being like, no, all our tactics need to be, well, let's not concede six goals, let's only concede three, but we only score seven. At the end of the day, the goal plus difference is still four. Yeah. So it doesn't matter which way to do it. But I think this way with younger kids and just more flair-based kids as well is that it enforces the habit of if you do the basic stuff I want you to do first, so pressure frontal turnovers, tackling, you're more likely to do that if you have the chance to do your own thing and be that kind of flair-type player and get, the, yeah. get the, the individual payoff to kick an awesome goal or to take a player on, yeah. so long as you hold up your end of the bargain. Yeah. If it's all just down defence and structures and kind of just real robotic football, there's no real payoff for you as an individual. There's no real chance to be like, well, this is why I like footy and I realise I have to do this for the team. Yeah. So I think Fagan's found that balance really well with the Lions. And it makes them good to watch, but because they also do both. Yeah. If they were just like an Essen that just goes one way, go one way and they never defend you and you just go, oh, now you're just showboating and you're, you're soft. But they don't. And they, and they show that on the weekend is that as much as they were great to watch going forward, how they shut down Hawthorne as well was really impressive. Well, so. I, I also saw a stat that their percentage is increasing. So like it's, it started off as around 60 mark mm. when Fagan took over. It's now up to mid-80s. So it means that they're getting that balance and attack right over the last two years since he took over. So they are showing improvement not only in defence but attack, which is good for the good for the club going forward. And yeah, I just really like some of their players. I think they've done well, and I think they got the right man in Fagan. And Hodge played probably his best game in a while, and he said that they got it wrong against Richmond. They got a bit panicked and um, bit you know, shell shocked almost. And they didn't back themselves as on Saturday they, or Sunday. Sorry, they definitely backed themselves. And it was, I watched that game thinking this is a really good game then I watched the Richmond game which was even better the West yeah. Coast Richmond game so there was some good football games on the weekend and also Dane Beams today came out and stepped down as captain because obviously he's gone through a few issues after his dad passed away and you know mental health and I reckon that shows how much of a good leader he is he understands he's probably not in the right headspace to, to look after it to do the captaincy and he knows that the club's probably in a good good spot with leadership you know you got your Dane Zorko and Hodgie and we're going to feel the young boys like your Louis Taylor and stuff like that and, and Daniel Rich definitely and Cameron I reckon he shows some good on-field leadership I reckon they're good enough to take over I don't know who else is in their leadership group but 
or if any of those blokes in the leadership group, I would assume some of them are. But I think what Beams did today is just showed of a good leader and, you know, really good for him. And I think that, again, he sees the club being in the right spot. And they'll, they'll come out and respond for him on the weekend, I think. And, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit later anyway in the game with Sydney. So Yeah, absolutely. All positive signs. I think short-term prediction, they're probably not a finals chance. They've only no, won one game. Not, no. So let's not, let's not go all Carlton on them and go, oh, it's, we're, we're back in a chance. But uh, ladder bracket for this year, can they get out of that bottom four? Like, can they separate from where they are with the rest of that group? So you'd say that at the moment, St Kilda, Carlton, Brisbane and Gold Coast, maybe even still, are that really young, probably doggies is the five, are the really young developing sides that kind of in that entrenched in that bottom five at the moment. Can they eke out enough wins to probably get like maybe six uh, and get into that next bracket? They'll finish above St Kilda and and Carlton easily and it'll be a toss up between them uh, Gold Coast Western Bulldogs and oh, who else is around that mark Freo yeah see the, 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 they need to start winning more home games because Freo won't lose home games so mm. that's where they're probably better than them but then if Freo get a few more injuries they're in a bit of strife as well insane for probably the doggies uh, yeah Essendon maybe but I reckon Essendon will, will fin- win enough games still I think they'll still finish, you know, third or fourth bottom, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. They'll, they'll probably not, they'll probably win, you know, five or six games and probably win most of it, or those games at home and probably shock a few teams and go close like they did with us two weeks ago. You mentioned last week with Carlton that they're developing along quite nicely. Do you see Brisbane doing the same? Are they kind of like that three, four-year period away from a funnel's berth or is it even more fast-tracked than that? I think they're in front of Carlton. That's... I reckon because they play a more sustainable brand of football that you can see in the first nine rounds this year eight nine rounds this year that they've been close to nearly every team they've played as Carlton are still very up and down I think they've got a, they've got more mature bodies at Brisbane that are in the mid to late 20 bracket like you know Taylor and Rich Beams uh, Martin's a like, gun Hitwood's coming along Charlie Cameron I think that's why they made that you know, Harris Andrews those blokes were in 21 22 I'm pretty sure I think that's why they made that call to get like Cameron in and a few others, just to you know make just make the list a bit more even out a bit. Yeah. Unlike Carlton, where it's one just, end or the yeah, other. Yeah. yeah, it's not really. There's no like they went and got Kennedy, but he hasn't been able to play, and I mean got a few other players, but they've been injured. So, and they 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 mid age bracket players like Carriage, you know. He butchers the footy every two seconds. Mm. As, as Robertson, you know, as we saw on the weekend, is playing. I don't think he was capable of playing that sort of footy. So, yeah, it just shows where, I think, if he was at Carlton, whether he'd even proved yeah. to play the footy he's playing now. So, and whether he had the freedom, I suppose. There we go. Very positive signs for the Lions, indeed. It's time to get involved with the kitty check in and. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back in black. We were hovering about the minus 10% there, return on investment for a while. But after a massive collect weekend, we're back in black. Best bets, yeah, didn't come off. First time all year we've had zero from two. West Coast won by too much. They were too good. They are maybe the best team in the league at the moment. We'll discuss that later on. And Geelong lost the match, but more importantly, they lost the third quarter 
but only by four points. So I reckon that bet's still a player. They got thoroughly thumped in every quarter except for the third because Eston, they just can't play the third. I don't know why. It's still true. Just didn't get us any money on the weekend. We are still up 25% return on investment for the year, though, with our best bets. So do not back out. Back us in. Stick fat. Stay on track, and we will make sure you get your medium to good size collects. But values and roughies are where it comes in this week. And boy, oh boy, wowee, did Brisbane win. They upset the Hawthorne family. They upset most of the football media world, but they did not upset us. We backed them in. You got the massive collect there at three bucks. And then we picked it, the three talls in the Richmond West Coast scoring peak footy blockbuster, $11 dues. For a 600% return on investment weekend, you can thank your mother for the rabbits, but you paid for them because it was your shout. Ruffies and values are up to 58% return on investment for the season so far, so it's all tickety-boo. It will not happen every week, ladies and gentlemen, but it will eventually happen, and like Pantene, you should subscribe by like. I'm just going to quickly say, if you follow our feature bets, I, t- I promise you at the start of the year, if you follow our feature bets, you'll finish in front. It's only our multis letting us down so far, but we're still in front of our feature bet, so get on it where you're doing all right. To our previews, which start with your boys, Brian Collingwood, against the Bulldogs in a Friday night, not so blockbustery blockbuster. <laughs> yes, this is going to be an ordinary game. Both teams like to possess the footy a lot, so Collingwood obviously a lot more this year. We, we actually, handballs are our thing at the moment, so we're averaging 194 handballs. Now... One of your Collingwood friends came out here and said that that's, you know, poor use of the football. And then you got very stroppy. You got very stroppy and said that, no, this is, this is a perfectly fine, acceptable way to clear a clearance yeah. via handball chains. Do you still stand by that? Or do you, do you have a slight overuse issue? No, I don't think we... So what, what's our, what was our weakness last year? What was our main weakness around the grounds and at, and at goals? Kicking. Yeah, offic- kicking efficiency. So what have we done? We've gone and we've gone and got some speed into, into our midfield and into our back line and even up forward. And now we're using handballs to break the break through congestion, break the zone up for that extra five, ten metres. And then we can use our foot skills out the back. So we play, we play a deeper forward. We, you know, it was Reed when he was playing. I don't know. I haven't watched a lot of us from, uh, not from TV, obviously. So when watching it from the crowd, you know, you can see that they play a deeper forward which gives a bit of a gap from the stoppage to uh, our, our first four because like they're a bit more spread out, I suppose you can say, which can backfire like it did against Richmond. But if we play right and, and do the right things, it doesn't it doesn't affect us like it did for the first half against Richmond. And then, we yeah, we break through that first 10 or so minutes. We always give the handball to someone on the move who is running it. So not, generally not in front, it's just as they're running past mm-hmm. on the move. So they can break that five, ten metres, get through the zone and hit the long target, which hopefully is a one-on-one. And that's why we've been kicking lots of goals. not In, gen- mar- in general play. In yeah. general play, because even if they're not marking the ball one-on-one, they're bringing it to the ground, which is what Cox does really well. Reid was doing it well. Uh, and, yeah, obviously the goey is killing it when he gets a one-on-one. He's backing him in, wouldn't you? So I think our game style is fine. I like the way Buckley's made some adjustments. Uh, yeah, we might overuse it occasionally if the pressure's hot and we might fumble and turn it over a bit, but I think we've only done that once this year, really, and that was against Geelong where we had a bit of the fumbles. Every other game we've been in it for most of it, if not won it. GWS, you know, was down to lack of personnel on the ground because we had some injuries. Uh, we lost injuries again. We had injuries again last week with St Kilda. But I'm re- pretty happy with how we're going, and I, I'd be very surprised, you know, we... 
we, we kick more goals than the doggies. We score more than we, you know, contested footy, even uncontested footy. Our disposal efficiency, our contested marks, marks inside 50 is probably the only thing I can see where we're down on the doggies. Everything else, we're above them. We're going to rest Wells. Braden Sear probably get his first game. He's a big-bodied mid. He'll a bit Mitchell-like with his handballs. He'll get the footy inside and handball it out to our runners, which is suits our game style. Um, Reid will probably come back in, maybe Maynard, and I think we should have too much for them. Everyone, including the media that likes to peddle certain narratives, has realised that this isn't the dogs of 2016. No, they're a young, different side. Like, very, very young. Although, they're still 19 of that 22 that won the flag on their list. On their list, but not in their match day 22. No, and look, there's been injuries, obviously, with Pickett and a few others, and they've lost some experience around that, but... It was, and they've had uh, one get traded out. But, yeah, they've, it's, it is a different team playing at the moment. And, you know, Boyd's getting exposed a bit, I think, because well, we've talked about this. You've got to be a Hogan, a Tom McDonald, a Darcy Moore, a Danaher, a Buddy, to be a key forward at the moment, uh, Hipwood. You've got to have a big tank and a lot of agility. You can't I also be... think that Boyd gets played in position a lot because, again, the Bulldogs don't have a proper Ruckman. Yeah. So he's playing as he's playing fifty percent of his time as a ruck. So if you break it down, they have they have a two ruck system, which is ridiculous for a team that doesn't even have two rucks. Yeah. So he spends fifty percent of game time as a ruck. He spends thirty percent of the game time on the bench. So it leaves him twenty percent as yeah, the key forward. We've been target. talking about saying he should be playing key forward more. Roughly came back last week. You thought he would have done more on the ruck, but he was pretty poor. Mm. So from that, they got twelve. I think yeah, they got twelve outs from that nineteen, which is sorry, they got three retired from that twenty-two which was Boyd, Hamling was traded, and Stringer was traded. Then also that 22, they got Morris injured, Pickett injured, Dickin, Dixon injured, Liberatore injured, Smith injured, and they got Biggs and Roberts playing in the VFL. Yeah. So they're missing a good chunk of that. Of that group. Of that group, yeah. that 19 that we talk, or 22 that we talk about. And they're a very young team, and, you know... And they do the young team things. They do the things that you see Carlton and Brisbane do all the time, make mistakes under pressure, turn the ball over both foot. Yeah. They're just, a, they're just a really young side and you a team that shouldn't be trusted when it comes to laying down some cash. Having said that, do you trust your boys enough to win by a certain margin on the weekend? No, I don't. I don't trust us at all. It's a, it's a game we should be winning and if you want to play finals, it's a game we need to win. But I don't trust us and I'm tempted to leave the game alone. The only thing I saw was maybe under the 171 because both teams obviously like to possess the footy. Uh, Collingwood's not a high-scoring team. Western Bulldogs aren't a high-scoring team, so I thought that under 171.5 might be the way to go, especially if the pressure's up and about. I mean, we saw probably two similar teams like Collingwood and St Kilda got last week, and the, I think the total match points was 172. So I, I, I reckon it would be around around the mark, but I reckon unders would be safe because the doggies are pretty good down back. Although, I, if Easton with Easton wouldn't stuff, and I just don't see them kicking a score with our backs. Hopefully, our backs stand up against their fours, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And they ranked 17th um, for their own shot conversion, the doggies. So, again, even if, even if they get it forward, and they are a pretty good inside 50 marking team, yeah. they can't convert. So, it's going to be very hard for them to, yeah, kick a winning score. The one little rough nugget after last week's rough nugget expose I found is with uh, Jack McRae. So, Jack McRae is averaging this year. 39 disposals, 9 clearances, 9.5 tackles. For him to get 40 or more touches, and he's averaging 39, is $5.50. Whacking a goal on top of that, 
and you get a big 12 bucker. You don't know, you obviously don't know who uh, Buckley spoke about today, do you? Mr. Jack McRae? Yep, and I uh, guess you're a certain tagger might be coming back in this week to. Oh, so take... he rates, he rates a, a ball collector now, does looks he? Looks like Levi Greenwood might be in to tag Jackson McRae. There you go. Well, that might put a spanner in the works, but. At $5.50 for a bloke, he's averaging 39 disposals. Yeah. We even saw on, on the weekend where Mitchell, you know, the Hawthorne were completely dominated, but Mitchell still racked up his 40. The guys that are accumulating this year are accumulating regardless. I'll put it out there. It's in the ether. Do what you will with that information. But he is averaging over nine weeks, 39 disposals. Saturday starts with the vanquished foe that is Richmond taking on St Kilda at the MCG. The line here is still a whopping 44.5, despite the fact that Richmond are now the second-best team in the competition. They're still the best team, mate. Don't start doing this shit. <laughs> well, I just feel like, you know, I think Richmond benefits from being a bit underrated as it comes back to the old Hafey saying there's nothing more tigerish than a wounded tiger. And they are wounded. Are they going to do an absolute filthy... Fremantle 2.0 number on St Kilda at the G. I don't think they... I don't know. That's, but my feeling is they'll pretty play against North. They're back at the G. They obviously had a pretty tough game last week. I think, you know, Hardwick would have said a few things to a few players who were below their best and probably Castagna is one. He might be missing out after his little, little attempt at snaps. Always with that game and all these blokes trying to snap goals from 30 metres out directly in front baffles me, Richmond West Coast. It was... Probably six or seven shots from Gokes who was 30-odd metres out trying to snap him through or, or even Darling trying to boon our no one from 50. Well, just... I was going to say, as much as we like to bag out the mainstream AFL media, this is Jason Dunstall's major bugbear. Yeah. Like, 30, I can go, maybe, because, you know, Stevie J has been doing that for a while. It's been... In... Yeah, Stevie J was a different cat. I know, and, like, Eddie Betts is doing that for a while, but they're, they're different cats, and that's have always done it. But Jack Darling trying to pull off a boonana and from 50. Even re-roll up until probably 12 months ago, as he started doing it. So Betson and uh, Stevie J did it for most, have done it for most of their careers yeah. pretty much. And even Betts, you went Betts on the weekend. He had a shot in the pocket in a pissing down rain, drop punt, nails it. Yeah. Like, he's a freak. He's, they're different cats, so just go back, Jack, kick your goal, Darling, Kennedy. That being said, they, they did kick, you know, 11. Between them. Yeah, I know, but seriously. Anyway, yeah. so for me, I thought uh, Martin has been flat. Yep. He, I reckon he's, uh, his whispers is carrying a niggle. Well, he was pretty flat on the weekend as well. Yeah. Like, he still got 26 touches, but Yo went to him, went hard, and they worked out how to tackle him. I think you're going to see a bit of a lift from Richmond. They're going to win. I, I don't want to touch margins, but the overs-unders is 162.5. Yeah. Surely that goes over. Can St Kilda kick a score? They're, they're ranked last in the league for shot conversion. Well, apparently McCartan's back. He might kick it back. Yeah, all right. So you say that, you know, scoring has dropped overall for the whole league and Richmond are averaging 103 points or so. Yeah. So that that means that St Kilda has to find 10, ten goals. goals. I'd, I'd back them to kick 10 goals. They haven't they? kicked 10 goals all year, mate. They've struggled to kick six. They kicked 10 against us, didn't they? Yeah, just... Oh, I just thought that overs... Because like, even against Collingwood, we only kicked, what, 10, 11 goals, and you scored 100. I just reckon it could... Late in the game, if the pressure's on, think, like, Richmond need to keep winning. I don't know whether you might put the queue in the rack. I thought it might have been a bet, but otherwise I'd probably have no bets here. Yeah, I'd stay away, absolutely. Uh, the number one fact behind that is there's a couple of different sites that do adjusted margins... Um, for for games, so what actually ranks as a bad loss versus yeah. a loss that gets acceptable against a better team? 
St Kilda have, are ranked last in this. So they've obviously won one, drawn one, and had seven losses. Yeah. All seven of their losses, once the margins adjusted for the quality of the team, have been considered poor. So they just aren't... They are, they are by far the worst team in the AFL. Okay. And regardless of the fact that, you know, the Blues got smashed by 129 points in the weekend, for what they've got, they are so far below the mark compared to everyone else that you don't know what's going to turn up on, on, on Saturday. And, yeah, I wouldn't trust them to kick more than 60 points, so... Stay away, Tigers win, and, uh, yeah, maybe we regain the throne. So we head over to the Gabba, the third home of footy now. That's all the... After the, the momentous games we've had, we had the best game ever with Brisbane-Collingwood. We had the biggest upset ever with Brisbane-Hawthorne. Now it's Brisbane-Sydney, as you mentioned before in our preview. The uh, Sydney Spies have been up there trying to work out how to take it apart on, on Saturday afternoon. The line here is 22 and a half. Is that about fair? And are we not considering some of the Sydney weaknesses? So, yes, they play well away, but they still don't really have a ruckman. How do they compete against Stefan Martin? I think, they, I think they'll win. They're too good not to win. Brisbane, yes, they played really well last week and they won. They beat a Hawthorne team that struggled a bit and we're going to talk a bit more about that a bit later when, they, when we talk about their game. But I just can't see... They, won't, they smashed Hawthorne in the midfield a fair bit. Mitchell was down. And they won't get near it with the Sydney midfield. Even if all, all Sinclair has to do is half the ruck contest. Sinclair does it right around the ground. He pushes forward. Buddy was awesome last weekend and he'll, he'll enjoy it up there. The game will be... I reckon Brisbane will have the game a bit more open. And I think Sydney probably won't mind that to start with. And they'll see how it goes. Because I reckon Sydney have the a better scoring power. And their pressure and stuff will, is a lot, will be a lot higher than what Hawthorne's would. I'm almost tempted to touch the line. But I, I think... At the end of the day, I'm probably going to leave it alone. The games up there are very high scoring, so yeah, most of the games lately have been going 200 plus. So, but then you got to ask yourself whether Sydney are good enough to lock down their team. Yeah, yeah, or whether they they go okay. Well, we've got a five six goal lead. Let's just lock it down and go back to defensive, you know, contested footy like they do. So, for me, I was, it was more of a no bet. I'm looking forward to watching it, but I could be could be tempted with the over unders. Yep, that's fair enough. The one I found, which I'm pretty keen on, I'm getting into these quarter-by-quarter quarter trends. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane have not won a first quarter yeah, this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sydney are pretty good out of the blocks. You can get $1.92 for Sydney to win the first quarter by five and a half. So you win by a goal, which seems pretty good value there. Um, and on that, I think that's actually by design. So I think Fagan... Again, Brisbane haven't really been blown away in many games except for the Richmond one, and I think it's because Fagan and his team will assess in the first quarter, be a little bit more reactive and then go, okay, how do we, how do we to some extent, survive this game or are we in a, in a position to try and win it from, from the second quarter onwards? Well, it, Hawthorne kicked the first four goals, mm. and I was like, oh, this is going to get ugly. Mm. And I actually walked away for five, ten minutes, came back, had a look at the scores, 24-18, and I was like, oh, they're obviously got back in it and then from then on it was apart from probably a, a period in the second quarter where Brisbane were hanging on a bit they they yeah they blew Hawthorne away so yeah so I think yeah Sydney to definitely win the first quarter and then yeah win the game as well one to maybe avoid is the next one but I'm, I'm it's a bit confusing this one so Geelong are hosting Carlton for, for apparently for the first time since you know 1875 whatever it is uh, down at the Cadinia Park the line here is 50 points. 
50 points. Geelong didn't even play last week. No. They essentially had a bye but and gifted the Bombers a win to make them feel, you know, special about themselves. I would hate to have been a Geelong player this week because I don't think that Chris Scott believes in the lovey-dovey new no, age no, coaching philosophy. No, no, they would have They would have copped it all week and expect them to bounce back this week, especially at the Cattery. Geelong get Radha Galua back. They get a few other players back. And I, I, don't, I don't think you'll see another bad game like that from Gary. So he might pop up after he's... We actually spoke about this the other week, how he's only been kicking 20 or 30 metres, hitting up the shorts. Getting, getting most of his pearl behind the halfway, yeah. even in a defensive 50. And Essendon just let him have it and put a bit of pressure on him and he didn't get near it. And they actually tagged Kelly. They took Kelly out of the game, which definitely played havoc with their midfield. So I'm interested to see what Carlton do. But you'd think they'd win by 50 or more. You really would, but it's just, I, it's I, I big, never, it's I never a take big, a 50 yeah, plus nah, margin. Nah, nah. So again, based on these adjusted margins, which I found this week, last week's loss to Essen was just an absolute aberration. So most of their wins have been very good. So they had massive win against GWS, massive win against Port Adelaide, and then healthy wins against the rest of their opponents. And the only like loss they had was Sydney, and that was an, an, like justifiable. Sydney, yeah. an amazing team, they had an amazing quarter. Yeah. So what? Carlton, yeah, aren't up to that standard, and they don't seem to have that much of a shake. Some interesting angles maybe in this one would be Carlton, you can get a dollar ninety-two for them to have less than 60 points in the game. Yeah, that'd be about right. I know, I know bad brokes generally do an over-under score, so you probably have a look at that. If it's around a 60-65 mark, I'd be having a look at that. It's generally around a dollar ninety ninety-five. But yeah, I think um, unders might be the go here. Yeah, so the line there is uh, 173.5. And again, if you say that Carlton's around about 60 as generous, because 10 goals is a lot down at the Cattery, uh, yeah, I don't see there being enough points in this game. Especially because Geelong is probably the third best defensive team in the comp, and their last seven games have gone under the match total. So the trends are suggesting that it'll be a low-scoring game and probably one for Blues fans to uh, ignore. Maybe play that replay of the Essendon game instead. After talking about the Giants in our coach's corner, they take on this interesting matchup against the Bombers. So this is a massive sliding doors moment for them. The Bombers, with their win against Geelong, have kind of kept their funnels hope a flickering candle in the wind style. The Giants, it's there, but in the opposite direction. This is basically a top eight, class, like the, the eight-point game, a battle for the top eight, all those other coaching cliches. Do the Giants have enough healthy players left to comfortably beat a side that they should? Well, all reports, Kelly's back this week. And we've spoken, I've spoken before about, you know, we, spoke, we speak about, um, you know, your bounce back ability. Well, Essendon bounced back and they've done it once already this year. They did against Port. They came out the next week and were horrible. Obviously, worst fall got him pumped up, and you know the, all the media and the sacking and Neil and everything, and just went right. Oh, let's let's get this one together, boys. And they've got up for it. Blah blah blah. You watch them come down this week, and GWS will win, and I win one to thirty nine, and that's my bet for this game. And I think, uh, yeah, GWS, if they're a serious side, we said this last week, and they want to play finals, then they should be winning these games. If they don't, then uh, yeah, we'll be writing them off, and Essendon might be back. Yeah, I don't see Essendon coming back at all. I think, yeah, my, my note here was very much how, how long does emotional assisted outcomes last? They only last a week. Yep. 
uh, unless I want to continue sacking assistant coaches. And like, I'm think they had a lot there, and apparently no one was allowed to talk anyway. So yeah. maybe knock one off a week. Yeah, and get a couple of wins, and maybe make finals. Who knows? One to thirty nine. All concerned about maybe the, being a blowout, the reverse of bounce back ability, the dead cat bounce effect. Nah, because I don't think GWS can kick a big enough score. So I, I see it being a you know, eighty to seventy, eighty to sixty sort of game, just because. GWS are struggling to score. They have been for nearly five weeks now. Uh, and Essendon obviously haven't been... I mean, they scored a bit last week and they played a different style of footy. Whether they keep that up and... Like, they've been struggling to score as well. Like, you can't see McKern and, and Stewart having a game like they did in the weekend two weeks in a row. I mean, McKern's been in and out of the team for a reason. And Stewart, you know, is a third, fourth stringer at best. So, I, I just can't see how those those forwards can have back-to-back weeks where they play outstanding football like that. And I think Geelong also didn't really turn up last week, so... Again, with your predicted bet there of 1-39, suits the trends as well. So the Giants have not covered the spread since round one. So they smashed the doggies, obviously, with a pretty healthy lineup. Since then, they've been kind of here nor there. The Essendon have lost their last 12 of their last 14 interstate games. So the trends lines are saying that that should happen... GWS 1-39 and uh, Bombers to get a bit of a and, reality and G- check. And after the week that GWS been under the pump a little bit in the media, you think they're going to come out and bounce back. If not, then watch the spotlight go up there at Spotless. Oh, well done. like that. Good little iteration from you there. Thanks, mate. Sunday, some interesting games on Sunday. Sunday's going to be a, a season-defining day, I reckon. So Hawthorne are hosting the West Coast. They're hosting them at Eddie Hat. Don't know why that is, because there's no other games in Melbourne that day. So, some strange little fixed strings there. It's smart. For, yeah, for, for the Eagles, smart. Because <laughs> they don't have to play. Mate, the G. Gee, exactly right. So, the, the line here is six and a half. I'll cover that. So, Hawthorne get pumped by Brisbane. Yep. West Coast beat the best team in the comp. It's only because it's in Melbourne. But they don't have an issue at Etihad. I know they don't, and this is why this is the best bit of the weekend. West Coast to cover the line. They will... There's something smelly going on at Hawthorne. I don't know what it is. They're missing... I know Frawley might be coming back again, but their back line will get absolutely pummeled by Kennedy, Darling, Lacra, Rioli, Yo, Cripps, and you look at the midfield... This is a week where you're... As a Hawthorne coaching fraternity, you're really glad the send-off rule doesn't exist. Yeah. Because I'd give Sicily about 15 minutes before he blows an absolute casket. Look, Josh Kennedy and Darling will both kick three or more. It's just a given. And, yeah, this... Oh, I'm almost tempted to say West Coast plus 40 at five bucks. I reckon this could be an absolute shellacking because from what I saw of Hawthorne last week, it wasn't good enough. I think they're... You know, they had six changes last week. They'll obviously make two or three this week with Amir... Uh, yeah, Amir and um, Foley coming back and maybe one or two others, but I can't see their forward line kicking the score at the moment and I can't see their back line holding up against the Eagles forward line and their midfield the Eagles midfield like is got Hawthorne's midfield covered even though you've got Mitchell in there who's a you know, great player and he's holding them up like yeah Dom Sheed Yo etc I, I, I would imagine that Yo doesn't travel and they won't risk Shuey but even then they've still got enough Nick Nat was awesome on the weekend and he'll he'll cause heaps of headaches for uh, big boy McAvoy and yeah my best bet of the weekend is West Coast to cover the line and if you can find somewhere whether it's the same game multi or whatever Kenny Darling kick three or more then get on it some other ones there for some trend lines really backs into your bet there the Eagles are 
uh, great second quarter and fourth quarter performances. So they'll they'll stay with you and then they'll burn you on the back half of the of the main breaks. And that's no good news for Hawthorne, especially because Hawthorne are the worst fourth quarter side in the comp. So they really fade out at the end of games. And as we saw against Brisbane, they got blown out of the water by a team that's kind of handy but not powerful. Yeah. The Eagles are hunting percentage. So that every game they go into, it's like, if we can win this by 40 or more, we're going to do it. We're going to yeah. put them to the soil. We need to get, make sure we get that top two double chance home finals. So, yeah. I'd almost be le- I'm leaning into that you know 40 plus it won't be one of our feature ones I don't think but definitely West Coast to cover and the over as well 179 West Coast are averaging 103 you'd think that Hawthorne probably have 70 points in at least yeah. and you know if West Coast have a big day out that's 120 under the dome rolling on to probably the most important game of the weekend I reckon Melbourne are hosting Adelaide down at the TII Traeger Park in our Springs Adelaide's fourth, Melbourne third. is third. How? Because no, they've, they've beaten crap teams last month. Oh, yes. That's why I, my first and only comment about Melbourne on this one is, is it bath water alert time? Well, they've been in the media a bit this week. Uh, they've been all over the media. Because I had bath water alert. I had, I had last week. the medium alerts going. Yeah. It was like when the first feel indicator comes on it. It's yeah, like we, you've got about 40 we spoke about left. about it last week. We said it, it, we wouldn't shock us, but they should win, and they won comfortably. Well, they won by the biggest margin since the history yeah. of football. They've so. been in the media this week. They're going to a ground that doesn't really do them any favours. They've, they've played four. They've only won once, and that was against uh, Gold Coast last year. And, uh, yeah, we know how Gold Coast went last year. They've played there three other times against Port, and Port have, you know, twice done the job quite comfortably, and even the third time they still did it quite comfortably. So they've had... There's been 100-point scores or 90... So pretty much 95, 121, 122, 115 point scores there. So it, one team generally scores a lot, and I think Adelaide, even though with their injuries, I just think that... They've always set themselves up for this. They've already started speaking about Lever. It's been on the socials. They're really up and about. And I just reckon they're going to come out. They're a good team when they come out and they're, they're psyched for a game. Like they set themselves for a game. They're generally a good team and they play well. And I know they're missing a few, but they've still got enough. And I think even though Melbourne will be out for a, for a scalp to prove to the, everyone that they can still, but they're up there. You know, they were probably in the same spot few weeks, probably a bit later in the season, but roughly in the same spot this time last year, I reckon. Yep. They were up around the top four-ish, and they've dropped away because they you know, drank a bit of their own bathwater. I just reckon Adelaide win, $2.05. It's already blown. It's getting deeper out. I reckon you'll probably get 220 around game time on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back in Adelaide to to win and probably my value better than around and get on Eddie Betts for most goals because I just have a feeling he's going to flick the switch up there in... Uh, Northern Territory. Especially, you saw how just the, the depth of class that Adelaide had, they played in a monsoonal wet on Friday night, and they still looked classy. Yep. They had these players that are actually really, really good dispose of the ball, they make really good decisions under pressure, and then you've got the freaks like Betts who can just kick a goal from anywhere, no matter what the conditions are. He, ma- he, he made them all look silly, really, Betts, because yep. blokes were k- shanking balls in general play, and he was dobbing them from everywhere like it was a dry light kids pill so yeah Adelaide win head to head obviously take that as value and the other one here was both teams to score 90 do you think it'll be an even high scoring clash or do you think it's going to sway might sway I like it but yeah I'm yeah. just not 
No. Not sold on it. Always hunting the angles, Baz. That's what all the good punters do. To round out our eight-game weekend, because obviously our Chinese tourists are going to have the week off, Fremantle are back at the Cauldron. On get the Fremantle at the line. It's a dollar ninety-two, and it's yes. only two points. But they are playing against North Melbourne, so you know, are they a good team yet? They've gone from we can't talk about them to don't go to Hobart to ooh, they might make finals. I tell you what, if they win this week, I will sit here next week and apologise. Yes. Give them some credence and give them the credit they deserve. But I'm still tipping uh, Freire to win at the line and I reckon that is up there with my better bets of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Fremantle are just a far better side at home. They're 4-0 against the spread at home. Yep. They've, had, they've had some pretty big spreads to cover against some of the poorer teams in the comp. I, I don't know what it is. It is a very big mystery. Because they're just so different at home. Yeah, and, and uh, there's been an injury cloud over Fife, but he'll play and he'll get him over the line himself with Sandilands. And I'm pretty sure they're, they're hopeful to get a Hamling back, which will be helpful to face the Talls. Uh, Stephen Hill is obviously on a, having an injury test as well. So, yeah, I reckon oh, Fremantle win at home. It'll be a, a close contest no matter what. Fremantle line. So you mentioned the close contest. You're about to go into it. I'm going to push you here because there are some interesting odds here depending on the market you go for. The win for Fremantle at the moment is $1.78. The cover, which is only three points, is $1.92. You can get one to thirty nine for two twenty five, or you can get real tricky and go one to twenty four for three dollars ten. So do you think it's going to be close? Because generally it'll be close because the Roos are only conceding seventy one points yeah, per and game. Yeah, Fremantle don't score highly. And so you think there's not going to be enough points for it to go beyond yeah, four goals? Yeah, I'd, I'd be tempted to go one to thirty nine, which is what, what you say it was around two dollars thirty or something. Two dollars thirty for one to thirty nine, yeah. or you can go three dollars ten for one to twenty four. No, I'll take one to thirty nine. Now I'll have a little bit of think about what we're going to spruik in our feature bets for round ten. So best bet is West Coast to cover the line, dollar ninety-two. My value bet would be Adelaide at just over two bucks. It's around two dollars five at the moment. I reckon you'll get two ten, two twenty close to the game day. The roughie is Mitchell Dun- Duncan to get thirty or more. So he's paying three thirty. Average is around twenty-seven, twenty-eight. Carlton do allow one of the one one midfielder off the chain. I reckon Mitchell Duncan will be the one that gets off the chain. Gary Abbott will probably get 30 as well. But Kelly's been down a bit the last couple of weeks. I reckon Duncan's the one. And if not Duncan, just watch out for Tui because I've noticed a few backmen. So your Sicilies and sorts of those sorts of players have been getting a few touches against Carlton as well. So have a look at that maybe. Is it $6.50? But I'm going with Duncan at three I'm due to get these one of these possession bets soon. I've been doing my, my stats. I keep getting let down by one or two possessions, but I have a feeling that Duncan's going to get me over the line for this weekend. My multi, I'm thinking under 171 at the Cattery. Greater Western Sydney to win 1-39. Collingwood under 171 on the Friday night. And Adelaide to win, which gets you $14.80. That's a very healthy collect for some not-so-outlandish bets. So there you go. I'm going to ride you with that one as well. I've left you some Easter eggs in there. Say what you want about McRae, whether Levi Greenwood does a job or not. Who knows? Question marks there. A couple of the interesting quarter-by-quarter quarter trend lines to pick up on. So go back and have a listen. We won't give it all to you on a platter. If you really want it, you'll go and find it. 
go back and listen. But more importantly, back having our features. Brian's in form. We're all in form. We're hitting our straps at the right part of the season. We're about a third of the way through, and we're back in black overall, and we've got some massive positives when it comes to our values and best bets. And you know what? We're probably due to snag a multi here as well. Uh, finally, before we go, shout-outs, of course, to both Sporting Chance Magazine and the Yorkshire Hotel. They support us. They put the pod in, the pod in your earballs, and we'll be all over the socials for the weekend, so keep an eye out for that as well. 